this is Chris from the Ticket Stub. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Extension Hour. This is Amy Ressler, County Extension Agent for Family and Community Health. And I've got with me Mike McBride. He's our program assistant. Say hi, Mike. Hey, how's it going, everybody? So we're thinking that maybe the other Mike might join us in a bit. Mike Heimer, sometimes uh, he does the show here um, for the extension hour. And then, you know, sometimes we have other coworkers who also do the um, the program. So we're we're excited to be here this, yes. this lovely December afternoon. It's start, finally starting to feel a little bit like December. It is. Because it's beautiful it is, out there. Yeah, it is finally December. And I've, I've got a little bit of like allergies or something going on, but I sound way better than I did last week. Um, and also we're going to have um, Dr. Philip Shackelford is going to join us. And uh, we've been talking, uh, he uh, joined us not long ago and we talked a little bit about our path to the plate initiative. So um, when he gets here, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but we're going to talk about kind of what's going on in extension. Um, so Mike, you just came back from a, a nice training. Yes. Better living for Texans. Uh, that's a program designed to help bring better nutrition ideas to uh, the community, improve health, improve movement, get people out and active. It's really a nice three days. Yeah. And so it, the, the, the concept of what they were teaching is mm -hmm. called um, navigating for success, right? Yes. So it's, it's kind of a format for teaching people, um, which I, I've, it's been a couple of years ago, but I went through it as well. And I think one of the interesting things about it is how it um, really um, takes into account the differences between youth learners and adult learners, because obviously adults learn a little bit differently than young so. people do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, some of the people who, you know, maybe they didn't do well in school. They don't really like to come to classes, you know, quote unquote classes and learn stuff. Um, so kind of the way you approach them is a little bit differently. What are some things that you learned? Well, when we're teaching the class, there's four components to it, the four A's. There's an anchor, which is we review what happened last week or uh, basic knowledge that folks already have. Mm -hmm. Add, which is where we're giving additional information. Um, away? Oh, well, away is the last one. <laughs> okay. Apply. Apply. Oh, yeah. oh that's the most yeah, important yeah. part. Yeah, what do you oh, do with word. what you're getting? Yeah. <laughs> uh, typically, we have a hands-on activity. Sometimes there's a cooking demonstration. Uh, we had one gentleman with uh, A&M who was teaching us how to use these uh, elastic bands for exercise. Oh, yeah. Ow. <laughs> Did you come back from the training sore? Uh, just a touch. <laughs> and then the last is the away. What can you take away that you are going to apply for your life? What Amy might apply for hers would not apply for me and vice versa. So each person decides on what their away is. So it's really a nice, nice program to follow. And it works for youth. It works for adults. I've worked with seniors. We could adapt it very easily for them as well. Uh, different ages have, like you said, different learning styles. Sure. And and like I said, as, as an, an adult, um, when I go to a class, I don't want someone to go, Amy, what do you think about that? And, yeah. you know, to be put on the spot, adults generally don't like that. No, and that's one of the, the main principles is we do not point. Please give me an answer. Yeah. Call, call but we'll just say, name. here's a, a an idea or here's a question I have for you. We ask it. And then we allow them time to answer. You know, as an, as an educator, it's very hard for me to have silence. Mm -hmm. I have to fill it somehow. So <laughs> that was one of the hard parts for me is you sit there and think in your head, one, two, three, and you count to five. Mm -hmm. If no one answers, you move on. Right. You give the information and you move on. But if somebody wants to answer, let them answer. You recognize what they're saying, honor it, esteem it. Hopefully not have to correct it, you know, mm -hmm. but... 
Right, right. Yeah, because adults, um, they, I guess we've been taught to be polite too. So sometimes we're not, uh, you know, going to answer something immediately and right. need some time to think about it or, or whatever. So sometimes it takes a little bit of time and um, to, to answer a question. And so giving them that five seconds before yeah. they answer or, you know, before you move on to another pro- um, point helps give people, um, yeah, time to respond if, if, if they want to. And sometimes they just don't want to and you just move on. Yeah, if somebody asks me a question, I usually like to sit back and try to mull over the answer, rehearse it in my head before it actually comes out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. It's protected me a couple times doing that. Yeah. But oftentimes, it also means people think I don't know, don't have an answer for them. Right. And so they jump back in. And I think, too, as, as educators, and uh, Dr. Philip Shackelford just joined us. Um, Speaking of educators. Yes, one of our premier educators. Um, so often we, we just, you know, we've, we got the answers and we want to tell people everything that we know. And, um, you know, adult learners don't always learn like that. No. So, Philip, you spent some time as a, in, in adult education, right? And do you do some of that stuff now? Uh, a little bit, yes. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you being sarcastic? Yes, I a little am. Bit? Okay. <laughs> so, so tell us, welcome. Glad you were able to make it. I know it was Thank a, you. you were meeting with a student this morning, right? I was. I was yeah. meeting with a student this morning, and uh, that took a little bit longer than anticipated and then didn't, had to do a little bit of adult education after that. So uh, uh, with a, one of, a fellow agent of yours. So. Oh. Uh. <laughs> um, okay, we'll just move on from that. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we were just talking about, Mike went to the training um, recently that Better Living for Texans put on about navigating for success. And so we try to um, utilize concepts of adult education in all of the programs that we do in extension because unless they're a youth program, obviously, and then we've got youth development principles that we establish um, and practice with young people um, because young people and um, adults tend to, to learn a little, little differently. Oh, yes, they do. And uh, I've had the opportunity to work with, you know, kids in 4-H and, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, with adults uh, as a county extension agent and uh, had, that, had that opportunity to work in the mid-level age in, in uh, educating college kids, ah. so, which is a completely different, uh, you know, kind of dynamic as well. Because they're not really kids, not really adults. And no, they're really not. Yeah, they're really not. And um, we, in, 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 uh, to further muddy the water, it was actually <laughs> um, the, the, the majority of classes that I taught at A&M uh, were graduate level courses, uh-huh. and so um, so a lot of those people had life experiences already. They they definitely weren't kids anymore. Right. They were growing up, definitely and, adults. <laughs> and some of them have come back into you know into, into the learning environment, back into college. Mm-hmm. And so that was an even different dynamic there. So learning how to get across uh, information to them was uh, pretty interesting. Sometimes challenging. You know, sometimes uh, you would you would look back in uh, the old uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off scene <laughs> where the the guy's you know drowning in his drool pool. You know, you you definitely didn't want to do that. And so, there's different ways to teach um, different subjects, and certainly different ways to teach different audiences. Yeah. So I mean, I just like talking about that too, just so that folks know that when you come to an extension program, um, that we you know we do use those types of principles. So we're not gonna. I mean, somebody might, I guess. I mean, I can't always speak for every extension program, but, you know, we're not going to call you out, not going to embarrass you in front of uh, others. It's just, um, yeah, so you may hear some of our, our PSAs that are running, but we're all about helping Texans make their lives better. Um, so, you know, it, and it can be just a, just a new idea or a different um, way of looking at things that help us in, improve our lives and help Texas be a, a better place. So I'm glad you could join us. Thank you so much for being here. So we were just kind of doing our introductory thing. So we were talking about Mike 
um, being at the training this week. And then, you know, sometimes um, an extension, I guess, did you think this when, uh, you know, when you were agent, like December, things kind of slow down, there's not a lot going on? Uh, yes. In fact, I did. You know, I would typically try to have uh, my last program of the year mm-hmm. uh, sometime around the first or second week of December. Mm-hmm. And um, then, it, then it was kind of you know, report time. Right. The end of year report. Because somebody has to have end of year reports. Yes, mm. today, in fact. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, end of summaries are due today, in case you were wondering. Um, <laughs> but yes, that was report time. And then once that got done, then yes, it, mm-hmm. was, it was family time and Christmas time and that sort of stuff. And then right after the first of the year, you kick kick off again and start running. Yeah. So, you know, and I like to think that that happens too, but people need stuff all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so even this week, um, or actually next week, so next week I'm, I'm going to go to Corpus Christi and um, I'm doing a training for agents who are in the Healthy Texas program, um, which is a whole other topic we could talk about sometime. But um, so Healthy Texas, and uh, we're going to do a training for them to teach them how to do the mobile cooking school um, that we've developed here in Montgomery County. And um, I'm very proud to say recently received national recognition. So we were it was recognized as the best family health and wellness program in the nation by um, uh, National Extension Association of Family and Consumer Sciences. So, wow, yeah. congratulations. Thanks. Quality yeah, right cool. here in the county. Yeah, so we um, developed that mm-hmm. as a need uh, that the county uh, that came up in the county. So, you know, a lot of people don't cook anymore. So, just learning some basic skills um, yes. was a need. And then um, the importance of um, increasing our fruit and vegetable uh, intake and we, we, you know, some, sometimes we can take for granted that, you know, what to do with whatever vegetables might be in the, in the grocery store. But, you know, when we eat out a lot and our vegetable um, consumption is mainly French fries, um, we may not know what to do with, uh, with vegetables or whatever. So anyway, we developed this on the road to healthy living mobile cooking school. Um, And like I said, we um, were able to get national recognition for that to kind of develop a, a guide to help educators learn um, to, to be effective in um, um, presenting that. And so I'm going to go next week and train. Um, we've got about 20 agents signed up to do that. So we're going to train them about this is how we do it. This is how you can use it. And I know we've got such talented agents in um, in our agency that we're going to, you know, they're going to make it like way even better. And then this uh, you know, national awards going to look like not much because they're going to make it even more awesomer. Um, and then when we get back, we we're actually have a cooking school scheduled with um, this group. It's a I high school group. So we're going to be doing that over at Lone Star College. So that's like on the 21st. And then and then it's Christmas. So then we'll come back in January and hit the ground running yep. again. Um, so Phillip's here. Last time you were here, we talked about Path to the Plate um, and so that I was hoping that Heimer was going to join us today, but I think that he got sidetracked. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about some of the path to the plate things. So just, um, you know, as a, as a refresher, tell us a little bit about path to the plate, how it, how it came about and your involvement in it and, you know, your, whatever you think about it. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, path to the plate was a state initiative and it was begun by our executive associate director, uh, Dr. Susan Balabina, uh, as a method to, um, educate the consumer on um, a couple of things. One was tying agriculture, uh, the food that we grow, into health and uh, how that, how our diet and our habits, in fact, in fact, affect our health, our day-to-day health. We've been doing that for a long time in Extension anyway, sure. but 
uh, we've never really connected the two agriculture and uh, health uh, together into one program, particularly. You know, we, we brought up the uh, the gardening, well, not the gardening example, but the uh, the cooking example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A few minutes ago, you talked sure. about, um, you know, how some folks, um, you know, go out and eat quite a bit uh, or, um, you know, they don't consume enough fruits and vegetables. And that's sure. true. You know, the average American, they they got three to five times per week. Right. So, And it's just a, a side note, seven to ten of the leading causes of death are food and um, behavioral related. So a lot has to do with what we eat and what we do. Sure. So when we're talking about health and agriculture and how that affects it, it makes a big difference. Yeah, right. And, you know, and, and uh, so getting that message out there, but also tying that back into um, to uh, where food comes from. Because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you ask a, you ask a you know, a fourth grader where their milk comes from, they may say AGB or, where, <laughs> yeah. you know, Kroger or wherever, whatever food chain that they've, they've attended with their mother. And so um, getting that, that ag literacy kind of component out there as well to the general constituents. Because if you look at our, um, our dynamic of our, our population now, we're, we're two and three generations, a lot of, in a lot of cases, removed from agriculture. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we do programs on gardening and um, we do programs on nutrition, um, but we don't ever do one on gardening followed by a program on how to cook it. Sure. So um, that's kind of yeah, a, a good analogy. Maybe not say not ever because well, it is happening yes, in some places, happened. but right. it's, it's sometimes it's we, we think in terms of silos. And yes. so, um, yes. sorry, I didn't mean to yeah, we, we talk <laughs> We talk about agriculture. We talk about literacy about agriculture. Mm-hmm. Then we talk about health education and uh, nutrition education. But yeah, we do we do tend to silo that a little bit. And so uh, the Path to the Plate initiative is trying to bring those two things together into one complete package. And so um, it was begun about a year ago. And then um, we uh, decided that, you know, probably our best course of action was to get our educators involved in the, the overall process of what that needs to look like. And so we started the Champions Program mm-hmm. And uh, you were one of those champions that was trained. We got uh, 24 from around the state of Texas, uh, two from each uh, district and four from each region. And uh, so went, you, know, you guys went through, I think, six different training courses on and covering everything from uh, health and nutrition to uh, ag literacy and uh, where food comes from. So. Sure. And, and one of the um, significant things I think about that is we went through, we went through pretty extensive training and um, thinking about... You know, I mean, I felt like I already knew a lot about, um, you know, health, obviously. And then um, some about agriculture, been with the agency long enough that, you know, (laughs) caught some just by um, conversations and that kind of thing. But, you know, even with all of those courses that we have, I still feel like we kind of just scratched the surface of um, the stuff that's out there. And and Mike, you're, you know, kind of brand new to extension and learning stuff about health. Um, You know, what's what's your take on Path to the Plate and the ideas? Well, I think it's pretty essential. I would love to see more people have gardenings at their home so you know what's going into your garden, so you know what's going into you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen jokes on the computer, and I, I pray it's a joke, where people say, you shouldn't butcher an animal, you should go to the store where they make meat, and <laughs> nothing's ever heard. It's like, surely that is a uh, urban legend. <laughs> but when I'm out in the... Um, teaching my classes, mm-hmm. a lot of people flat don't know what to do with these vegetables. Uh, they've heard of them, but they've never tasted them. I, uh, at, I was telling you earlier today, even at the training I went to, we had somebody volunteer to help the demonstration, had no clues to how to cut open and get into an avocado. Oh, yeah. So finding out where the fruit comes from, what's local, 
I, I think it's huge. Because if you can go out to a local farmer's market, pick up those fresh vegetables, and then we can offer different ideas about what to do with it, you know, how to pair it up with other foods so you have a nice, balanced, my-plate-type meal, I think it's huge. And I know we do it with elementary schools. I've been doing it with adults. Um, yeah, so I think path, Pathway to the Plate is a key element in what we're trying to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alex, really, really, really good information. And so we want to talk about it some more, but... Um, Dick's giving me the signal. We got to take a break. So we're going to take a little bit of a break and we'll be right back. And you're listening to Lone Star Community Radio 104.5 and 106.1 and worldwide on www.irlonestar.com. We'll be right back. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out ourlonestar.com slash sponsor for more information or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776 with your questions. Get seen on TV, YouTube, and heard on our podcast, FM, and internet radio. Support your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. Hey guys, I'm Joey Savage. Corey DLG. We are Nerd Thug Radio. Catch us every Monday from 1 to 3 and check out our website, nerdthugradio.com. We like to talk about quilting, horseback riding, and baking quiche. Actually, we don't, but we do like talking nerdy to you. That's right. Every Monday from 1 to 3 p.m., hashtag talking nerdy to you. Welcome back. In this lovely afternoon, you are listening to the Extension Hour. We're so happy to have you with us. We've got Mike McBride. So, see, it always, um, I have a hard time saying your name because I, my son, I mean, his name is McKeon, but we've yeah. always called him Mac. Mac. And so you're Mike Mac Bride. So putting that all together, sometimes I just. Bleh. I have been called much worse than Mac or Mike. So. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. So I'll try not to call you anything that, you know, you don't <laughs> okay. want to be called. But Mike McBride is our family and consumer sciences uh, program assistant. Yep. Um, totally county funded. And so we, you know, Philip, we're really fortunate here in Montgomery County to have a very supportive commissioner's court who um, provide us with a uh, program assistant. And then we also have a 4-H program assistant. Um, you know, several agents. So we're able to do do lots of good stuff. Yeah, you certainly are. And uh, if all the commissioners are listening right now, <laughs> I would like to uh, to thank them uh, personally uh, that they do provide the funding and support for here in uh, Montgomery County and uh, the staff. And uh, you have one of the best um, extension facilities as well. So, yeah. and it's set up nice because you're right across the street from the, uh, the convention center there. So you can go have events and activities over there. So. Uh, yeah, most definitely. And so um, Philip is our... Regional Program Leader for Agriculture and Natural Resources. So that Interim. And, okay. So um, tell us a little bit about what that means and what you do. Uh, as a Regional Program Leader for Ag and Natural Resources, I work with uh, amongst 36 different counties in the southeast region, which goes from Beaumont uh, in the east all the way down to Corpus uh, along the Gulf Coast. And so... 36 different counties, and I work with each of the ag and natural resources agents that are in those counties doing ag programming. Uh, also, with some of the 4-H agents that have uh, ag, ag and natural resources uh, programming responsibilities, such as 4-H livestock and stuff like that. So my role is to, to help those agents do good programs and um, try to help them uh, do evaluations whenever those come about as well. Um, and right now, I've been... Um, reviewing all of their program plans Mm -hmm. uh, for the upcoming year, uh, making suggestions and some tweaks to them and um, 
making sure that they're on target for what they're what they're wanting to do. Sure. And then after the first of the year, I'll have the opportunity to go out and uh, visit some of those programs and, um, you know, maybe hopefully provide some positive uh, pointers um, sure. if, if need be. Yeah. So, so we are educators. Um, AgriLife is all about educating um, our communities. And so you mentioned the plan of work. That's kind of like our teacher's plan that mm-hmm. um, so that our, what we're doing is, is targeted. It's purposeful. It's impactful. You mentioned um, evaluations. So we uh, try to evaluate everything that we do to make sure that what we're doing is um, actually making a difference and um, teaching people what needs to be what to be taught. And that, um, you know, we can we can always say, oh, people love us and they just really enjoy our programs and everyone has a good time. But you know, which is which is awesome. We want people to have a good time, most definitely. But did they learn anything? Yeah. Did they learn anything? Because if we're about helping Texans better their lives, what about their lives is better? So. That's one of the things that we do. And then we were mentioning, too, about our uh, county commissioner's court. And, um, you know, I think it's a, people sometimes don't understand how extension is funded. And, you know, it, it is complicated. And sometimes we don't even mm-hmm. really understand all the intricacies of it. But it's it's a great cooperative agreement between our counties, our state. Um, funding comes from the state legislature through Texas A&M University system. So sometimes people get confused, too, and think that it comes from... Um, like from the university itself and right. not, not, not at all. When they the raise tuition, they give us a raise. <laughs> yeah, right? no, yeah. That's not true. <laughs> Darn it. And then, um, and then through the federal government, through USDA. So, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a great, um, it is complicated, but it's a great working uh, relationship. So everybody gets a, a lot of bang for their buck because putting in some um, funding for it, but getting back the full results. Well, one of the classes that I taught at, at Texas A&M was one on developing community education programs. So mm-hmm. it was basically how to be a county agent. Kind of <laughs> class. So, um, and, and the way I described uh, our relationship with those entities was, this is how county extension agents get their name. They're, and they have a cooperative agreement with the county commissioner's court to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not mandated by any state statute to be in the county, but the county has the opportunity to fund a county extension agent uh, for educating the public on agriculture and home economics. <laughs> and that's what the state statute says. Mm-hmm. So um, they have the opportunity to do that. Uh, then we're also an extension of the Texas A&M system. Uh, we're a standalone agency uh, under the umbrella of the Texas A&M system, which there are several different universities and several different agencies, we are one of those agencies, and our charge is to do education for the general public. Uh, and then we're also um, an agent of USDA. So in the old days, we were actually almost 100% funded by USDA mm. um, when Extension first got started. And then that funding has gradually kind of decreased over time and now now the usda sends each state formula funds uh, based on population and other things um, and that helps fund the extension service in each state so if you break it all out the counties actually provide about 25 percent of in, the entire extension funding across the state so but they have dedicated programs for each county yes, yeah sure do yeah. all 254 counties are represented by texas a&m america life See, see, Mike, see how helpful it is to have a professor and a doctor here. You get somebody who us. knows what they're talking I about. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> so, um, well, so we, um, we talked about Path to the Plate. We talked about extension, what mm-hmm. we do, help Texans make their lives better. Um, and so one of the things about Path to the Plate, people have lots of questions about things that are happening. Um, 
We also do programs that help serve the needs of the people of the county. So um, one of the things, needs that come up often for ag producers and farmers and um, private um, business individuals is um, pesticide applicator um, training. So they have to have so they have to have so many continuing education units to get their license and then to, to keep their license. And um, so that was one of the things that um, Heimer did yesterday at a pesticide applicator training, and they'd used um, used technology where they were able to um, broadcast here from Montgomery County, but like folks in San Jacinto County and Walker County were able to go to their local site and participate without, you know, having to travel all the way to the big city of Conroe. So it was pretty, pretty cool. Um, so anyway, pesticides and uh, pesticide applicators started making me think about one of those things that people are concerned about when it comes to their health is pesticides in their food. Have you, either of you ever heard people express concern about that? I have, some of the classes I've been to, uh, people will argue that true organic certified foods are the only way to go, that the pesticides are killing us and that's where all the illnesses are coming from. And it comes from internet sure. research. You know, they if it's on the internet, it must be true, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Google said it, so I saw it on Facebook five times, but it has to be accurate. <laughs> yeah. All my friends say so. Yeah, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, I know that one of the things that surprised me, somebody talked about children and pesticides on strawberries. Mm -hmm. And it was some humongous amount of strawberries. Kid like over to, a thousand. Yeah, over a thousand you strawberries. You a thousand strawberries for a kid to... For a child, to, yeah, you're gonna be sick of something else before you get the pesticides. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's that kind of a misinformation that I'm glad that we can go out and, and try to correct some of it. Sure, and and I would just mention too, you know, with Path to the Plate, one of the things we're not we're not there to tell people this is how you should think or this right. is what you should do because organic is a perfectly acceptable choice that people have. We just want them to make that choice based on research, science truth and not just because somebody said it's going to kill you because so I mentioned health and fruits and vegetables is one of the things that we can do to make our lives healthier mm -hmm. to make our bodies healthier fruits and vegetables and probably if there's nothing else we do if we eat more fruits and vegetables and we get more exercise okay. we're going to be healthier so um I, I get really concerned when I feel like people are afraid of eating fruits and vegetables because of pesticides that are on it or because of GMOs or just we don't need, people don't need to be afraid of fruits and vegetables. They need to be eating them, <laughs> eat more fruits yeah. and vegetables, and that'll make a big difference in the health. So, yeah. And, and um, I would just, I would just throw this in, Amy, mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if those come from a, a process source, um, th those foods are inspected. Mm -hmm. Number one, uh, we have agencies that do, do food inspections, FDA, uh, USDA, uh, they're charged with uh, making sure that our food supply is safe mm -hmm. and, um, you know, is wholesome. Um, and I would say also, too, that, uh, you know, everyone plays a role. The consumer plays a role in knowing what is safe and what is not. But also that that, that producer is going to want to produce a safe, wholesome product because sure. we, um, you know, as, as ag producers – definitely don't want to hurt anybody right i mean your your goal is <laughs> your goal is to uh, i guess number one stay in business right and but, you can't stay uh, in business if you're killing people no you can't <laughs> no it's hard to you no. can't do it it's 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 <laughs> almost it's audience. almost impossible <laughs> ask any dictator in a third world country it's just <laughs> it's next to impossible um but yes yeah, um, but pesticides sometimes they are a necessary thing um 
Um, but you know, organics is a viable option for people if that's if that's the route that they choose to go. We we in this country are blessed enough that we have production a uh, up so much that if people want to um, purchase organic foods, then they can. Sure. If they if our if if we make enough. Okay, so on that note, we have to take another break, but we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about how do you make those choices? How do you find out what's true? Um, A little bit about pesticides, what are used, all those kind of good things. But you're listening to Lone Star Community Radio, 104.5, 106.1, worldwide, IRLoneStar.com, and we'll be right back. Hey, guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, Check out the Ticket Stuff podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. Remember to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's Community Radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on your computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. Lone Star Community Radio broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. And we are back. We're talking about organics and pesticides and health and vegetables and extension and education and all kinds of things. And it all it all, it all all comes together. It all makes sense, right? It's all part of the same pot. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh, we have uh, Mike McBride, our FCS program assistant. We have Dr. Philip Shackelford, regional program leader for agricultural and natural resources and I'm Amy Russler, County Extension Agent for Family and Consumer Sciences, and we love doing the Extension Hour. So here we are, like we are every Friday afternoon, 1 to 2, um, talking about different kind of topics. And this time we are, like I said, we're kind of talking about Path to the Plate, which is all about um, helping consumers understand where their food comes from and and how it's safe and making good Making good choices really is kind of what it comes down to. So, you know, we mentioned. Um, kind of like your parents. They help <laughs> yeah, you make good choices. That's right. Make good choices. So, um, we, we, you know, we're not going to tell people, ah, you know, forget organics. Because that, that's a big part of our um, economy. Mm-hmm. And um, there are people who want organics. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with um, wanting to have organics but my own garden that i'm putting in we're Mm going to strive to be organic and if the bugs start eating too many then (laughs) i work at a place where i know what to do absolutely (laughs) right right you know and i would rather eat the food than let the bugs eat the food i mean yeah yeah and so we've talked too about with the path to the plate and um kind of the ideas of how are we going to feed the world yeah and Mm -hmm. um there's how many million, billion people? 7.5 billion people on the <laughs> yeah, planet. No, 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 yeah. uh, and it's growing. Yes, you're exactly right. China has the, the most, uh, and mm-hmm. that's closely followed by India. And estimated that India will pass China in the next mm, 15 years or so. Wow. So, uh, but guess who's third on that list? Hmm. Who could that be? U.S. Us. <laughs> us, yeah. Us. We are third on the list of most populous countries on the planet. Uh, but we pale in comparison to the, um, you know, well over a billion, well, almost, you know, 1.4 or 5 billion in China, 1.2 or 3 billion in India. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, in the 300 
plus thousand range. So, uh, or a million, I'm yeah. sorry. So, um, so we're, we pale in comparison to them. Right. So, but still a lot of people to feed right. and a lot of mouths to feed. So, and you know, um, latest estimate was, I think the American farmer feeds about 150 some odd folks, something like that. Like each farmer feeds that many? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the estimate. And how they come about that number, I don't know, <laughs> but, um, a formula. but yeah, it is a formula. And so, um, uh, but, you know, our U.S. farmers have, have all sorts of methods by which they have um, kept up with population and, and production. If you look around, um, let's just say the greater Montgomery County area, mm-hmm. um, you know, how many folks are actually in the farming business? Uh, I bet you there's not that many that are making their living off of production agriculture. Now, ag-related jobs? Maybe quite a few, mm-hmm. um, but um, you know the actual production agriculture, making a, a living, the standalone living. They don't have a job anywhere else. Probably not that many. And across the U.S., it, the numbers around two percent. Wow. So, um, so it's it's a pretty low number, but for that two percent to be able to feed about 158 people, and that's per per farmer, sure. uh, is is quite remarkable, really. Um, Looking back 50 years, uh, maybe 60 years, um, number of farms has definitely decreased. Um, you could take uh, ever since the Great Depression, we've mm-hmm. been losing farms, um, number of farmers. Uh, but the you know the actual size of a lot of farms has actually kept pace and has actually increased a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and that's that's also been challenged by the um, the amount of farm land that we've actually have to farm. Sure. Because we're losing that. Right. Uh, we're we've. So did you know that Conroe was named like the fastest growing city in America recently? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know which quarter or who it was that came up with that. But so growing really fast. Yes. Why is it growing fast? And where are those people going? Uh, I would say, why is it growing fast? I would say that part of that is they are close to a job uh, that pays really well. Mm-hmm. And the job pays well enough to where they can only spend about 6.3% of their annual gross income on their food. So um, compared to the rest of the world, that's pretty low. Right. Um, so anyway, they only spend that much. Uh, they're close to a, a, a area where they can get paid a lot. And so they can do uh, recreational activities as opposed to going out and farming. <laughs> so um, you were talking about losing land and I'm not an expert. I'm just curious. We have to build those houses somewhere yeah. for all the people moving in. So is that eating up a lot of the land? Or yeah, it certainly it is. Yeah, it certainly is. If you think about um, the any, any major metropolitan area in the U.S., in the world, really, why are those metropolitan areas there? When did they originate? They probably originated because someone found great farmland yeah. right there, started cultivating it, and then out from that sprung up businesses, markets where the people could market those products. And as we grew, we had to put houses somewhere, and so right. we started putting houses on top of the farmland, and so that pushed the farmland out to the fringes of what was once great farmland. And so um, some of the real reasons that we we have lost about a million acres since uh, 1997 um, of farmland in Texas um, is because of that urbanization. So areas that were once, um, you know, very productive, uh, you know, take south of Houston or east, uh, west of Houston, the Katy Prairie area, uh, which I'm very familiar with because I live kind of in that neck of the woods, um, but um, the Katy Prairie area just 20 years ago was a, was a, one of the best rice farming regions around. But um, they figured out that it grows houses just as well as it grew <laughs> rice. Yeah. So, 
and people are attracted to food. We go where food is, sure. right? right? Feed them and they will come. <laughs> so we want to pe- population moves towards where food is available. Yes, that's exactly so right. It's kind of, it's, 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 it's very interesting how it kind of works against itself, but we've got um, technology and knowledge that um, helps us utilize the farmland that we do have available yeah. where the houses are not. Yeah, so so how, how are we able to produce more food than we did in, say, in 1950? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and on less acreage than we did in 20 years ago, if we're losing, a, we lost a million acres so far in the state, how are we able to do that? Well, the simple answer is technology. Sure. Uh, part of what Texas A&M AgriLife's charge and goal is is to work with our research partners and with the university partners on developing better methods for producing food and um, um, you know that they yield higher uh, and then have maybe fewer problems uh, so they can be produced quickly um, and we've typically had um, you know corn cotton grain sorghum rice um, trying to that wheat um, those are kind of the big crops that you could say that are in Texas. And so um, a lot of those those crops that I just mentioned have had technological advances that associated with them um, that have allowed farmers to produce more of them, um, you know, on fewer acres. So they produce more food that people consume that, if consumed wisely, can maintain our health sure. long term. Yeah. So, again, that's where kind of that direct connection comes about. Um, okay, so I mentioned we were going to talk about organics, right? So um, I've got a definition here for what organics is. So if you see on a label, if something says organic, all right, so if it says 100% organic, that's any product that contains 100% organic ingredients, excluding salt and water. I've so salt and I water. would be organic? Too. <laughs> yeah, well, well yes, uh, sure. <laughs> That's kind of a personal question, so we just yeah. won't go there. <laughs> All right. So then if it's just organic, not necessarily 100% organic, then that's any product that contains a minimum of 95% organic ingredients. So it has a little bit of leeway um, in terms of how um, the ingredients have been um, procured and included in that product. Again, excluding salt and water. So that it amuses me, <laughs> excluding salt and water. Um, and then it could be made with organic blank. So in that case, whatever the blank is, you fill in the blank. And this this claim is used when the product contains at least 70% organic ingredients, excluding salt and water. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So organics, how does that, how does that happen? So there's a, a certification that yes. uh, folks can get from USDA. Yeah, I guess the... Uh... The simple answer is if you want to call yourself organic, you want to be an organic producer, mm-hmm. um, you actually have to get a certification. Um, um, and the, the certification process actually goes to the Texas Department of Agriculture, and uh, they would actually send an inspector out to uh, make sure that he doesn't find anything that would preclude you from being organic, such mm-hmm. as pesticides. So um, that would be synthetic. Um so I, one that, I, that people may be familiar with is 2,4-D. That's a herbicide. and uh, Not to be confused with WD-40. Correct, correct which will <laughs> fix almost everything. <laughs> and duct tape. Um, no, it's not to be confused with w, WD-40. Um, but that's a, that's a herbicide that kills, kills uh, broadleaf plants. Mm-hmm. So um, 
but I remember I said synthetic. So there are naturally occurring um, pesticides that occur in our environment that man have found found out, and we can manipulate these. And so there are some organic pesticides, yeah, so um, <laughs> such as uh, some some of the permethrins, for instance. Those are are derived from um, plant based uh, sources. Uh, there's also things that are derived from um, naturally occurring soil bacterium uh, that can be utilized in pesticides uh, for organic purposes. So um, I guess the, the take-home message is when you say, you know, organics, they don't use any pesticides. Sure. That's not exactly true. <laughs> uh, they can, and there's nothing wrong with it because they, they, they subscribe to the same, um, I guess, principles of having the least amount of residue that is possible and is tolerable for human consumption. So. All right. So that, that's actually kind of a nice little teaser because there's a little bit more to that, right? So yes. let's um, kind of explore a little bit more about those natural and then something that's not organic. Yeah, is that going to kill us? That kind of thing. But we have to take another little break. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio, IRLoneStar.com, 104.5, 106.1. We'll be right back with the Extension Hour. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776 with your question. Get seen on TV or YouTube and heard on our podcast, FM, and internet radio. Sponsor your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio presents the Lone Star Radio Troupe. This talented cast will perform radio plays right here in the Lone Star Studios located in downtown Conroe. There will be a new performance every first Sunday of the month. And if you miss the broadcast, just go to Lone Star Community Radio's podcast or YouTube anytime during that month. Go to IRLoneStar.com archives to find the Lone Star Radio Troop's latest play that's available. This is Lone Star Community Radio, Conroe's 104.5 FM and 106.1 FM community station. Find us on the web at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is a supporter to the performing arts in Montgomery County, Texas. All right, I'm ready. We've had just a few more minutes left. We've been talking about organics. Um, we were just talking about how Dr. Shackelford is full of such good information. And Mike, you said you were learning some new things. I am, yep. yes. So what is another question that you have? Okay, just for the home gardener, you're talking about some organic type herbicides. Mm -hmm. Are they commercially available? Like I can just go down to my local store and find it? You bet. Yeah, they are. In fact, you can go to just about any uh, lawn and garden center at a, your home improvement store, mm -hmm. uh, feed store, and they will have um, they will have several different uh, organic type products. One that um, that that gets a lot of press, uh, not because of the organic side, but because of the GMO side, is BT, uh, Bacillus okay. thuringiensis. <laughs> Big technical name. It's actually just crushed up. It's actually crustaceans from the one of those, one of those Mesozoic or whatever periods. So you know, ancient, ancient little sea uh, creatures. Right. You know. So, but um, 
And BT is a great product uh, for insects that crawl along the ground. So if you have problems with that and uh, you don't want to use synthetic pesticides, BT is a good way to go. That's just sprinkled on top of the plant. And um, even if it's consumed by you, you can still eat it because you're just eating rocks, mm-hmm. really. And <laughs> Good source of fiber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. little, little, fiber crunchy, <laughs> little crunchy, little crunchy. But um, you think you didn't wash the dirt off of it. But, yeah, go ahead and wash all your fruits and vegetables. Yeah, that's important yes. safety. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but BT is one of those that, that's sold readily, yes. Yeah. Uh, so at the very beginning, we were talking about the four A's of education, mm-hmm. and the third was apply. So now I've got an apply, and also the fourth is takeaway. So now I know what to go look for. Oh, Philip, you're a good adult educator. I you try. You passed the 4A test. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been an adult for a long time. <laughs> okay, so we've been talking about um, organics. Um, and so we've also mentioned, so you mentioned like just the home gardener, right. right? So it's real easy for me when I go to the grocery store I'm thinking in my own little world and feeding just my family and I can get organics and, and, you know, the whole world should be organic and blah, blah, blah. Just like you. Yes. So, but when we also talk about the millions of people that we need to feed in the United States and the number of farmers that are doing it. So we have less farmers feeding more people with less land. Um, you know, the, it, um, you know, in a, in a perfect world, maybe that we could do it all without, pesticides or whatever but even too if we could why 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 would we well uh, i guess the you know organics is a i mean it is a, a nice thing and mm-hmm. if you can afford to, to buy that organic label then because by all often means, it's much more expensive sometimes yeah. it's a little in fact i've seen a couple of times maybe just a few cents less on yeah. some things but and, you know but by and large that that is a niche market sure that um that producers have found that that people will pay more for in agriculture <laughs> we don't get a whole lot of carrots dangled in front of us that they get us more money, but organic is one of those labels where they do get a little bit more money. Uh, the unfortunate thing about organics is that um, some of the uh, the organic products that can be used to control pests or uh, some of the other uh, production practices uh, and the, the lack of use of, I guess, improved genetics sometimes mm-hmm. in different crops doesn't allow itself for organics to actually compete in production as well as conventional production. So in other words, uh, organics typically produce about half of what a conventional farm would produce if so, they're using technologies like genetically modified or pesticides, synthetic pesticides, synthetic fertilizers. So they just don't produce quite as much. So, so I've got um, a little bit more just about what certified organic means. Um, so grown and processed according to really strict guidelines. You mentioned that earlier. And um, I, it takes farmers like a few years to get that um, organic label, right? I mean, they have to work towards that yeah, because they have yeah. to be com- whatever, meet these guidelines for a certain number of years before they can actually be certified as organic. Yes, they do. They have to pass that smell test. Uh, and it's, you know, the, administered by the Texas Department of Agriculture. And uh, in fact, they're not only, they only have to pass it once. They've got to pass it on an annual basis. Wow. So. Um, they, uh, so it really is, I mean, it really is worth it to them to get more money, uh, for their product. Sure. So in no, no genetically modified organisms in an organic product, mm-hmm. um, produce, no synthetic fertilizers or pesticides. You mentioned that, mm-hmm. um, with meat animals are raised in living conditions that reflect their natural behavior, which we could have a whole conversation. I, w- I wish we had some more time and, you know, if you can come back again sometime because, 
we you could know, talk about a natural lot about, behavior. Yes, yes, and what that actually means—the free-range chickens. Um, right. <laughs> anyway, um, so they're fed 100% organic feed, forage, and then not giving given any antibiotics or hormones. And we can talk about some of that too mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, so yeah. just just uh, th- something to pay attention to. There's products out there that are labeled as hormone-free. That well, everything has hormones, but then um, you know, rich without it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then packaged foods, no artificial preservatives, colors, or flavors. Ingredients, all ingredients are organic. And then there's an exception. The exception are some na- non-agricultural products are allowed, like baking soda and pectin. <laughs> so there's there's exceptions to everything. But there is a lot of um, a lot that goes into organics. So what do you think? You should 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 we use organic foods? Is that the choice? My family is very healthy, and we've never used pure organic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do try to be mindful when I go shopping and look at the price per unit. If I can do organic, I will, but you know what? I don't have to, yep. and we're thriving. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a personal choice, and if right. uh, people choose to go organic, then, hey, great great for you. Yeah, and again, I would just add, make sure you're you're doing that because um, you're, you're well-educated, that you've educated yourself, that you found the information yeah. out there. Don't, don't do that out of fear because— Fruits and vegetables are good for us. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Philip, I'm glad you were able to make it. And it was be a pleasure to be here again, today. Amy. And thanks again, Mike, for being here. Um, so listen, every week, every Friday, right here on Lone Star Internet, the community radio, also on the Internet. This is Amy Ressler, family and consumer, family and community health. And it's time to stop talking because I'm not making any sense. <laughs> thank you for checking out this production of Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station. Don't forget to check out this show and many others across the Lone Star Community Radio Network, either live on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, the Lone Star Internet Radio app, or IRLoneStar.com's live audio stream, and on replay on podcast, Channel 12's Our City TV in Conroe, or Channel 21 KVQT in Houston, and of course their YouTube channel. This production is copyrighted and all rights are reserved by Lone Star Community Radio. Have a question regarding this program or other Lone Star Community Radio shows? Want to sponsor or start your own show? Call the station message line at 936-647-3776 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.